This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, is sponsored by Economics. To quickly make sense of today's crop nutrition research and maximize your return on investment, visit nutrient-economics.com. That's economics with a K. Hi, I'm Stephanie Gordon, Associate Editor for Top Crop Manager, and I'm here with Joanna Falling, Cereal Specialist with Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, or OMAFRA. Before we start, I just want to thank you for being on the show today. For those that might be unfamiliar with the work that you do, please introduce yourself and your role. Right. So thank you, Stephanie. So yes, I, I work with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs in the agriculture development branch, and I have the privilege of working with the OMAFRA fuel crop team. And so what we do as a team is we provide resources, whether that's through publications or uh, through field days and events for Ontario growers on anything field crop related. So this podcast is going to be about winter wheat. Can you give some context into what kind of winter wheat season Ontario experienced this past year? (laughs) Yeah, so we definitely had uh, an unprecedented season in terms of winter survival and winter wheat. Um, Really, the challenges started last fall with planting. We had a cool, wet fall, making soybean harvest pretty challenging. And as a result, winter wheat harvest was the or winter wheat planting, sorry, was was delayed. If you look, you know, most of the province should be planting their wheat into mid to late September, whereas most of the province actually planted later in October. And so as a result, um, we had less uh, winter survival. And then throughout the winter, we had some freeze thaw events uh, that resulted in ice cover in many areas. And then we had that. That followed by a cool wet spring, so the wheat never really got growing. And in some instances, we even had wheat emerging in the spring. And so from there, it was a tough go for producers to get their fungicides, herbicides, nitrogen applications made. And so as a result, uh, you know, growers were really anticipating pretty low yields. But at the end of the day, we're seeing, you know, much better yields than what we could have anticipated. So the early planted wheat, we're getting ranges anywhere from 80 to 100 plus bushels per acre. In the later planted wheat, we're getting, you know, some ranges from, you know, the 60 to 70 bushel mark, but in some instances, we are getting yields as low as 30 bushels per acre. And that's unfortunate for for some of those areas, but all in all, I'd say for the most part, growers are are pretty happy with what they got. And now, for the most part, growers are making their manure applications and getting their cover crops seeded following the, the wheat harvest that just wrapped up. Nice. And you mentioned the yields. Are they on par with what you would see for the average? So our provincial average is currently at 84 bushels per acre. So I would say for, you know, in in many instances, we are at or above that. And then again, in the later planted stuff, we're slightly below that. So all in all, I think the average will will be slightly lower than what we typically see, but but not too far off. So because of the poor winter survival, growers this time around might want to ensure that their crop get off to a really good start. So some might want to plant early, but what are the risks with planting your winter wheat too early? Yeah, so there are four main risks that we tend to talk about when we think about winter seeding winter wheat too early. And and those are mainly lodging. So the earlier we plant, we have lots of growth and, and we tend to get more lodging in the spring. Snow mold can be an issue, particularly in areas with lots of snow. So if you're thinking, you know, up in Bruce County in northern Ontario, 
Barley yellow dwarf virus can also be a big issue. You have a huge window of opportunity for aphids to be feeding on the crop and transmitting the virus if you have it planted really early. And then of course, take all virus can also be an issue in really early planted wheat, especially if you've had you know, planted wheat after wheat or wheat after say grass hay or, or you've had lots of wheat in rotation in those sorts of instances. So what are the ideal seeding dates the growers have? Yeah, so for the most part, for most of Ontario, really, the, the optimum seeding date uh, is generally from mid to late September. Uh, in northern Ontario, we want to be as early as, as late August, so August 31st for the north, whereas then you go into deep south uh, Ontario, particularly in Essex County, it's early to mid-October, October 10th being optimum timing for, for the deep southwest. But for the most part, it's probably mid to late September for most of the province, which can be a challenge. Um, especially if you do have delayed soybean planting, um, where growers have crops such as beans or canola, they're able to get those their winter wheat planted much sooner. And is there an ideal seeding rate for winter wheat? Yeah, so typically it, it can depend, it can vary, you know, depending on seed size, but not generally too much. Typically what we're targeting is 1.6 million seeds per acre. So if your optimum seeding date is September, 25th, for example, you want to be targeting 1.6 million seeds per acre. If you're going to plant earlier, and particularly if you're going to plant, you know, 10 to 14 days prior to your optimum date, you actually want to drop your seeding rate by about 25%. Now, on the flip side, if you're going to be planting later than your optimum seeding date, you want to bump up your seeding rate by 200,000 seeds per week. So early planting, drop your seeding rate by 25%. Later planting, you're bumping up your seeding rate by 200,000 seeds per week. And when it comes to what depth you're planting the seed at, does it make a difference? Yes, so seeding depth also is extremely important. Uh, you know, we've had some instances where we, so generally speaking, when we're talking about winter wheat, we want to be targeting one inch seeding depth. Uh, we've had some instances where we were we were checking out some, some different things on a drill and we ended up actually seeding at a half an inch and we lost all the wheat in our half inch plot compared to our one inch plot. So targeting that one inch seeding depth really helps with winter survival. But the other important part about seeding depth is that it takes 80 growing degree days for wheat to germinate and it takes another 50 growing degree days for every inch of seeding depth. So if you plant beyond one inch, it's going to be even longer for that wheat to emerge. And in the fall, we really want to get that seed to germinate and emerge as quickly as possible to get as much root growth and as much tillering as possible to improve our chances of winter survival. Also, in terms of winter survival, does variety selection make a difference? Absolutely. So if you look at the Ontario performance data through GoCereals.ca, you can see that we do have winter survival ratings, and some varieties do much better than others. So if winter survival is an issue for you or you're concerned about it, that is definitely a characteristic you want to look at. But there's also a lot of other important characteristics to look at, and those include fusarium resistance, uh, lodging risk, uh, stripe rust resistance, protein, particularly if you're growing hard red wheat. Um, so while you might be looking at winter survival, it's also important to not forget about some of the other characteristics that might be important. And perhaps some of the some of the things that you can do related to seeding depth and planting date, along with fertility, might be able to improve your chances of winter survival in addition to selecting a variety with good winter survival ratings. Now, because of the challenging fall, because of the cold winter, and again, the wet spring, uh, we also had unprecedented losses in the Ontario Steel Crop Committee performance trials. So there is no 2019 report on GoCereals.ca. 
So I would encourage growers to look at the 2018 report. And when they're looking at that report, they really want to be looking at locations, like they want to be looking at varieties that have the most number of locations in site years in order to make the most, the best decisions. So they may be interested in some newer varieties that didn't make it through the 2019 performance trials. So they might be considering, you know, trying some varieties on maybe some smaller acreage to see how they do while looking at some other varieties that they know perform well on, on their operation. And what do you think is going to be the biggest concern for growers coming into this upcoming season. So as we know, we had a really, really challenging spring. A lot of growers were still seeding soybeans into the early weeks of July in some instances. So soybean seeding delayed, soybean harvest is going to be delayed. So I think the biggest challenge is going to be getting winter wheat planted again this fall. If we have a nice, open, beautiful fall, soybean harvest count goes well, um, and things are nice and dry, we can get wheat seeded, great. Um, but there might be some instances where growers won't be able to get wheat planted because of the late soybean harvest. So I would really encourage growers to start thinking about it now. You know, I've had or, I've had growers call me and, you know, had some conversations about what they might be able to do. And, and some of the things that they consider is, if possible, the fields that they're targeting to seed winter wheat, harvest those fields first and get those seeded first before worrying about the rest of the harvest. Again, we don't want to run into a situation last year. We have really delayed planting in a poor fall and we don't get good emergence and good growth going into winter. So I'd really try to target harvesting those fields first. If there's edible beans or perhaps canola in the rotation and maybe they weren't planning on putting those to wheat, those might be fields they would consider seeding to wheat just in order to get uh, wheat planted as quickly as possibly can. Moving on to kind of the inputs that kind of go along with the crop. Mm -hmm. So fertility considerations, fall fertilizer, split applications, what are we seeing that works really well for winter wheat? So what we do know about winter wheat is it is extremely responsive to, to phosphorus fertilizers. So using a starter fertilizer has shown both in a, uh, a sufficiency approach and a build and maintain approach. Um, there is a response to starter fertilizer, especially phosphorus. So if there's anything, you know, some, some map is, is the best way to go. Again, you want to do it based on your soil test, but phosphorus is, is is winter wheat is most responsive to phosphorus. Generally speaking, we do not, other than what might come with some of your starter fertilizers, we generally don't recommend applying nitrogen in the fall to the wheat crop because it is lost over the winter and we prefer that to be applied in the spring. Um, but starter fertilizer and phosphorus in particular is definitely something they wanna be considering. Ensuring they're, they're optimizing their seeding rate based on their planting date and of course their seeding depth. The other thing that they might want to consider, you know, especially if they maybe have less than an ideal rotation, so perhaps they had some wheat that didn't survive and it's been remained unseeded and they want to go back to wheat, or perhaps they're going to be seeding their wheat into corn silage. Um, I would I would suggest you know a fungicide seed treatment because there are some diseases that can carry over between those crops to protect you know from early seedling diseases. They would maybe also consider, especially in the areas where you know there's a lot of growers who've reached out that are in perhaps Lambton County, Niagara, or Essex County. They are looking to seed their winter wheat because they have unseeded acres. And so if they're going to be seeding early, they may also consider an insecticide seed treatment to help with aphid populations. And again, that won't necessarily, you know, fully protect them against barley yellow virus, but um, it'll help control some of the aphids and, and perhaps reduce the transmission of that virus in the crop. 
And you mentioned fall fungicides. Is there always a payoff for using fungicides or does it make more sense to some growers versus others? Um, generally speaking, you know, where we have a lot of disease issues uh, or, or growers have previously seen some seedling disease issues, or again, if they have a poorer rotation, fungicide seed treatments definitely uh, provide benefit and, and definitely provide value to the grower. So I would say for the for the most part, growers are using the fungicide seed treatment to protect against those early season diseases that can occur in the fall. And what about plant growth regulators? What exactly are they and when is there a benefit to using them? Yeah, so plant growth regulators, um, there have been a few that have been around and used in wheat, wheat production in Ontario, but maybe not to an extent that they're used perhaps, say, in Western Canada or in Europe. Um, and that's probably because of timing of some of the previously available PGRs, as well as the delay in maturity um, in, in some of those cases where they have been used. But in the last year, we have had some new products come available. And so we are starting to see growers try, try them out. And so they're primarily used in situations where we've planted early, we have had lots of fall growth, and we're pushing management, or we have history of manure applications, and we just have a really high fertile ground, and we're growing a variety that's susceptible to lodgings. So those were kind of where PGRs tend to fit. They don't typically fit in situations where we, we don't have lodging isn't an issue. Um, we're not going to be pushing nitrogen rates beyond 100 pounds. Um, we don't really see as much of a benefit in some of those instances. And so growers are, are starting to use those. Um, some of the newer ones include Modus, Manipulator, uh, Proliant is another type of PGR that is generally applied in the fall to grow stage 32. And ProLine is slightly different than what you think of from other PGRs. So other PGRs, we think of shortening the crop or reducing lodging, whereas ProLine actually promotes growth. It's gibberellic acid, and it's applied in the fall to promote growth and promote root development so that it's you know, set up for success to, to survive through winter. Um, generally speaking, beyond that stage, we don't recommend application of that product, uh, whereas Modus, Manipulator, and Ethyl are applied in the spring at various different stages to help reduce uh, lodging risk. And is there a penalty to applying a plant growth regulator outside of an ideal application window? Yeah, so ProLine, for example, if you apply beyond the labeled rate of growth stage 32, you can actually promote growth and, and, and actually induce lodging if you, if you apply it too late. Products like Ethyl, for example, it's got a pretty small window of application, and if you apply it later than the labeled rate, um, it can cause some crop injury. So that, of course, is not something that growers are looking to have. And then manipulator and modus have a pretty wide window of application. And again, we want to be targeting earlier on in the in the timing just to be able to promote strengthening and thickening of the, the base of the stem rather than, you know, halfway up the stem if we apply it in later applications. Um, so, yeah, of course, we want to be applying within the label to avoid any sort of crop injury that can occur. Very nice. So as a recap, what are your top three things that you think winter wheat growers should be mindful of for the upcoming season? Um, so definitely be mindful of the fact that, yes, we have a delayed season with soybean seeding and now soybean harvest is likely to be delayed. So be mindful of that and be prepared. Uh, know exactly which fields are going to go to winter wheat and try to target those fields for harvest first and seed the winter wheat. Make sure that you're adjusting your seeding rate for any delays in seeding. So if we're delaying seeding 
by two weeks, we want to be bumping up our seeding rate by at least 400,000 seeds because we're targeting 200,000 seeds per week. Um, make sure that they're using a starter fertilizer to get that crop um, you know, germinating and out of the ground as quickly as possible and getting a, a strong, well-developed root system that's better able to survive winter. But also, again, just to make sure that we are planting in ideal conditions. I know it, it can, you know, be a bit of a rush with trying to get soybeans harvested and trying to manage wheat uh, seeding at the same time. And if the conditions aren't quite right and maybe waiting a day or two means seeding into better conditions, then wait for the better conditions because we want to set ourselves up for success. We don't want to end up in the same situation where we have lots of winter survival issues. We want to be able to get that winter wheat crop up and growing out of the ground as quickly as possible um, and ready for the winter. And that's kind of what we saw with this past spring where, you know, the ideal planting date kind of came and went and the field conditions weren't there yet. Exactly. So it could be kind of nerve wracking to wait for better conditions, especially with what we saw in the spring where you could be waiting a very long time. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for growers that are really anxious to get out in the fields at a specific calendar date? Yeah, so I think so, in some instances we need to, you know, not focus so much on the calendar and really focus on the conditions. And I think growers, you know, in, in many cases saw that this past spring, you know, they were really itching to get out, get their corn planted or get their soybeans planted, and, and they knew to wait because in instances where maybe we didn't wait, we are now seeing, you know, some evenness in stands of corn and, and beans not looking the, the, the best because of poor nodulation. So I think uh, growers, you know, got a bit of a taste of that this past spring. They're aware, they know they need to make, make sure the conditions are fit in order to make the crop the most successful that can be. Very nice. So I just want to thank you again uh, for, for coming to talk with us today. Do you have any resources that you can recommend for growers looking for more information? Yeah, so we have a couple of really good resources. Uh, if you're looking for variety data, performance trial data, they should check out ghostserials.ca. All of our performance reports, you know, historical performance reports are on there. There's also a great feature on there called Head to Head and they can actually select a couple of varieties they're interested in and specific characteristics and compare them in order to make, you know, really zone in on what would be good fit for their operation. So GoCereals.ca. We also have the agronomy guide, uh, which can be found on the OMAFRA website. And for all the latest infield information, whether it's the weekly crop report or, you know, issues that are coming up through the season, we post as much as we possibly can on fieldcropnews.com. So I would also encourage growers to go there for any information um, related to winter wheat. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. Special thanks to our podcast sponsor, Economics. To quickly make sense of today's crop nutrition research and maximize your return on investment, visit nutrien-economics.com. That's economics with a K. To catch up on all of our episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.